The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Ephesians chapter 1. And it focuses on what we have in Christ, what we have in Jesus, what God has given us through His Son. And so far we've been doing... Uh, we've, we've looked at uh, five of the blessings that come, and this morning we're going to look at the sixth blessing. So the five blessings that we've seen so far is that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. That was found in verse 3 that we read this morning. The second one is that we're blessed with holiness. That's verse 4. Then verses 5 to 6 is we're blessed with sonship. What an incredible thing to be called children of God. What an incredible thing to be adopted into God's family and receive the blessing of sonship. Verses 7 to 8, the blessing of forgiveness. How awesome it is to have your sins forgiven. Never to be reminded again of what you did in the past. My goodness, there's so many things that we're ashamed of. But he's come to remove our shame, remove our guilt and never bring it up again. The blessing of revelation. We were talking about this a few weeks before the missions conference. And so we've had quite a gap between the missions conference and Easter. But just the blessing of revelation. Don't ever take for granted. If your eyes have been opened, how blessed you are. Because right across this world, there are people who cannot see what you can see. They, they, this just what, what we're doing this morning is madness to them. They just, it just does not compute. But for us that are saved, there is just something that moves. When we say He is Lord, we're not just singing a song. We're entering into worship. And never take that for granted. If you can enter into worship and it just moves you emotionally, never take that for granted because you have been granted the gift of revelation and for those that don't have the gift of revelation i pray that even as i'm speaking today god will do something within you that'll just open your eyes soften your heart your ears are open you can hear it you can understand it it just starts to make sense that's a gift it's a gift of revelation and this morning i'm going to focus in on verse 10 and uh, we read it in the new king james earlier on But let me read to you verse 10 from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says this, And this is the plan. This is the master plan of the universe. This is God's plan. This is the main issue of life, is this plan. Here it is. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth under the authority of Christ. And I want to talk to you this morning about the blessing of being under the authority of Christ. Well, first of all, what does it mean to be under Christ's authority? You know, we've lost a lot in the Western world in our understanding of kingdoms. But, you know, we, we've got fairy tales that we sometimes sort of align ourselves with and understand kingdoms from fairy tales. And so in, in fairy tales, which I really believe is something that resonates within us because we can all resonate with a good king versus a bad king. We can all resonate with 
uh, a benevolent king who has a benevolent kingdom. Can anybody say amen to that? Just and and so so within a kingdom, what happens is this: is that you have the king and you have the subjects, but you've also got laws. You've also got cultures. You've also got the way that things are done in that kingdom. Well, let me tell you that when you come under the authority of Christ, you are subject to the laws, cultures, and values of King Jesus. The laws, the cultures, the values of King Jesus. And you only have to read a few chapters of the New Testament to find what what those laws, cultures, and values are. One of the greatest messages that's ever been preached on this planet by a country mile, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, was a sermon about the laws, cultures, and values of the kingdom of God. Who can tell me where that sermon is found? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And that was Jesus coming and saying, hey, you guys, you've been exposed to the Roman Empire, and that's, that, that was pretty, pretty rotten. You've been exposed to the Greek Empire, and that was pretty, you know, pretty rotten as well. But let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you about the way God operates, because the plan of God is to bring heaven on earth. The plan, and you say, where does it say that in the Bible? How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Well, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're actually praying that prayer. How does the Lord's Prayer go? Okay, let's, let's do it all together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many times have you prayed that prayer? But how many times have you stopped there to fully understand what you are praying? You're praying for the kingdom of heaven to come here. The kingdom of heaven to come into your home, into your life, into your family, into your community, into your church, into your neighborhood. The kingdom of God where Jesus rules and reigns and the laws of the kingdom, the cultures of the kingdom, the way things are done in heaven get done here on earth so when you come under christ's authority then you're subject to the laws the cultures the values of the kingdom now when you got converted when you got saved then the whole process of salvation is god through the spirit trying to get out of you the cultures and values of this world and replace them with the cultures and values of the kingdom. That's conversion. See, conversion is not just learning a catechism. Conversion is not just repeat these words after me. Conversion is where you get overtaken by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Spirit comes to live in your heart, in your life, and the Holy Spirit begins to transform you and remove worldliness out of you and put kingdom principles in you. Now, what happens is this, is that if the Spirit doesn't come to do that, then what we have is legalism replacing the Spirit. 
And so over the years, what's happened to the church is that they've been exposed to legalism. And legalism is about rules and regulations. Don't do this. Don't do that. How dare you do this? And you call yourself a Christian and you're doing this. No, Christians aren't supposed to do this. They do this. And so what happens is that you've got this hypocrisy that happens because people haven't been truly converted. So they're trying to live by the rules without the power of the Spirit. And you can't live by the rules without the power of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit enables us to be converted. And through His conversion, He leads us and we fall in love with the things of God. We fall in love with the passions of the kingdom. We fall in love with the Word of God and it becomes food and drink to us. And I can't get enough of this. But if it's not by the Spirit, it's, oh, I've got to get into the Word again. Oh, I've got to go to church again. I've got to do this again. I've got to just stop smoking. I've got to stop this and I've got to stop that. And, and if, if nobody's looking, then maybe I can do it. What is that? The Holy Spirit's always looking. Holy Spirit's always there. Anyway, we become His subjects and His responsibility when we come under His authority. We become His subjects his responsibility. You know, I, I, I love the phrase becoming sons of God rather than subjects. Yes, we are subjects, but I love the whole, the whole meaning of sons of God because the Bible gives us lots of definition of what it means to be part of the kingdom. We become sons of God. We become kings and priests. We get authority to rule and reign with him forever and ever. What an awesome thing it is to understand that we rule and reign with him forever and ever. That's why this morning when you were sharing that story about that 16-year-old beggar girl in Sydney, it broke my heart. Why is that? Because she was never designed to live life like that. See, when God designed that little girl, when she came into the womb of her mother and God began to put it together. See, what a difference that is, the belief that God puts us together rather than we're a chance happening. God put that little girl together and said, I want you to be a princess and rule and reign with me forever and ever. You were designed to reign over angels. You were designed to reign over the creation of God. We are a unique, we are the unique creation of God. Don't ever see yourself as as just a chance happening of evolution. What is that? When you have the alternative to be a uniquely created masterpiece of God. So these are your choices. You're either a descendant of Neanderthal, as some religious leaders would want you to believe, a descendant of Neanderthal that just sort of came from apes and monkeys and amoebas and whatever, or you are a uniquely 
created masterpiece of God that he breathed into the breath of life and you became a living soul according to what the Bible says. You got a choice whether you believe this or whether you believe that. Well, let me tell you, I've decided to believe that. I've decided to believe I'm a unique creation of God, a masterpiece designed by the creator to rule and reign with him forever and ever. And all the devil has tried to do is to squash me and to and to force me into a mold that's not the God mold. And all the devil has tried to do is to try to make you feel insignificant and small and little. And what God is trying to do through Christ is to lift you up and make you see yourself as you really are, a prince in heaven, a child of God, someone designed by God to rule and reign with him forever and ever. Your choice. Your choice. When you come under the authority of Christ, there are benefits. Let me share with you just very quickly five benefits. And I could spend five weeks on just the benefits, but I'm going to spend just five minutes on the benefits. First benefit is that he protects you. You say, but John, you know, I've seen people that haven't been protected. Well, I, I want to redefine that because I believe the protection is from the plans of the devil. See, it's from the plans of the evil. Go back to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And what's the next part? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so one of the things that we pray and we are focusing in on is God's protection from the plans of the devil. Because just as God has a plan for your life, the enemy's got a plan for your life. And you've got to understand that there are two plans, the God plan and the devil plan. But you know what? The only way that God can protect you from the devil's plan is for you to be in his kingdom and embraced by him. Because as soon as you walk out of his kingdom, then you're exposed to the devil's plan. You're exposed to his, and his plan for you is death and destruction. His plan for you is for you to live below the line, below the line that God has ordained for your life. And God's desire is for you to live above the line in the plans and purposes that he has for your life. And if you're there, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the plans of the devil because you are protected. You are protected. And it doesn't matter what happens. God works everything together for good to those that love him and are called according to the purpose. And what's the purpose? The purpose is the God plan. And so what happens is this. God never says that we will not be exposed to trials and tribulations. See, some people have thrown out protection right out the window because they've been exposed to trials and tribulations. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you will be protected from trials and tribulations. And some of those trials and tribulations are tough ones. All God says is that I'll protect you from the plans of the enemy. And his will will not be done in your life, but my will will be done in your life. And if you go through trials and tribulations, don't you worry about it because I'll bring good out of it. 
I bring good out of it, and my purposes will be accomplished in and through your life. Can anybody say amen to that? Number two, God not only protects us from the plans of the enemy, He provides for us. I love that. Matthew 7.11 says, Matthew 7.11? I just, I never thought about it like that before, but here we go. It's a, it's a great takeaway scripture. Huh? You'll remember it now. What's the takeaway scripture? Matthew 7.11. It says, but you then, if you then being evil, and he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees, not you born again, filled with the spirit Christians. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's going to provide for you, folks. Come on. Tap into the provision of God. God's the great provider. We could spend weeks and weeks talking about the provision of God, but he does provide and he will keep providing. And you say, but what about now? Well, hang in there because the provision will come. And sometimes you've just got to go through a few little trials, but the provision will come. Why? Because God's a great provider. Number three, I love this. He professes us before the angels in heaven. This is one of the benefits of God is him professing us before the angels in heaven. Luke 12, 8 says, Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. You know, you've got to see this because this is just so very, very powerful. What's powerful about this? What's powerful is about standing before the judge one day. How many of you know that we're all going to stand before the judge one day. You will not escape from this. Don't for one minute think that you will escape from it. You will not escape. You'll stand before the, the creator. Every single person will stand before the creator. Richard Dawkins one day will stand before the creator. And he'll be the judge. He'll be the judge. And when we stand in that courtroom in heaven, surrounded by the angels, and we stand alone, I will need and you will need someone to stand with you to defend you. And this is what the Word of God says, that if you love Jesus on that day, He will profess you. He will say to the father, the judge, John Juliano, he's mine. He belongs to me. He's under my authority. Just let him free. And the angels will say, yeah, there's a child of God. Quick, everybody, applaud a child of God because Jesus has professed you before the father and his angels. How awesome is that? You say, what's the alternative? The alternative is Jesus turning his back and saying, I don't know that person. But Lord, I did this and I did that and I did the other. I don't know you. I don't know you. He said, well, what's the difference? The difference is someone that's come under the Lordship of Christ versus someone that's just got a bit of religion. Got just a bit of information, just enough to make him dangerous but their heart hasn't been converted. 
What well, you say, well, that's three benefits of the believer, three benefits of those under Christ's authority. What's four and five? Okay, here it is. Number four is that he preserves us to the end. He preserves us to the end. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this, just the, the preservation of God. You don't have to fear any day I can lose my salvation. What is that? You're going to be preserved until the end. If you love Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you don't have to stand in fear that any single day I can lose my salvation. That, that is error. That is error. That really is error. And what we have is, is one extreme of theology that says any given moment you can lose. My, my grandfather as a preacher lived under that error. I mean, he loved God. He loved the gospel. But he lived under this fear that he, he, he was never sure of his salvation. He always thought that, it, that, you know, that if he committed one sin before he died, that was it. He'd be gone. Then you've got the other extreme over here that it says you can live like the devil, do whatever you like, once saved, always saved. What is that? You know, who'd want to do that? Only people that are not saved would want to do that. Because if you're truly saved and the Spirit of God lives within you, you're a God lover. You just want to, you just, of course you make mistakes. Of course you slip up. But when you do, you're remorseful. You're regretful. You, you come to God and he cleanses you because your heart is for the things of God. And yes, you are working your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, you are working things out in, in, in all, you know, revelations of God. But you can stand firm on the fact that you are preserved until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you can say, that's good news? Oh, that's five of you. That's awesome. And number five, he protects us from the plans of the evil. He provides for us. He professes us before the angels in heaven. He preserves us to the end. And five, he pronounces our name. I love this one. This is just, I don't know, one of the sweetest ones for me. Why? Because nobody can pronounce my name except for my wife. It's just, Juliano is just a hard thing to pronounce. I get Iliano, Juliano, Luliano, and it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. But one thing that is confident that God knows my name and he pronounces it right. How awesome is that? This is what it says in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. You're mine. I know you by name. I know you by name. I just love that fact that God knows us by name. And when he speaks our name, it's just sweetness in our ears. Last week, Resurrection Sunday, I preached about Mary not having recognized the resurrected Lord until he spoke her name. And as soon as he said, Mary... It's Jesus. Nobody, nobody, nobody pronounces my name like that. He knows your name. And there's something sweetness in the revelation of his love towards you when he calls you by name and he says, come on, when you go through the waters, when you go through the rivers, when you go through the fires, it's like when this happens. Don't be afraid. This is par for the course. This is what life's all about. But I'm with you, and you'll hear me calling your name, and you'll hear me calling the purposes that I have for you. And when God calls your name in heaven, 
what a wonderful day that will be because the Bible says that the book of life will be opened and those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. But those whose names are written in the book of life will hear their name in heaven. They will hear their name. And as the, the, the book gets open, the names get read out. What a wonderful thing it'll be to hear your name, to hear your name. And Jesus saying, I, I, I pronounce your name, enter into the love of the Father. So they're the benefits of being under his authority. He protects us from the plans of the devil. He provides for us. He professes us before the angels in heaven. He preserves us to the end. He pronounces our name. Let me finish this sermon this morning by saying, how do we come under Christ's authority? So uh, I want four people to come on the stage. Just four, four, who's four, four people? Quickly. One, two, three, four. There we go. There's one. There's two. There's three. One more. Four. Fantastic. Okay. So that's good. I love this. All young adults. Beautiful, good-looking, but give them a big applause. They haven't done anything yet, but give them, give them a big applause. There are four types of people in the world. See, you're ahead of me, mate. You are way, way, way ahead of me. But, but uh, you guys are all number four. I know that. But let's, uh, let's start with what number one looks like. There we go. Turn it around. This is the first type of person. Turn it around. No, no, you're not it. The sign is it, okay? So the first type of person is the God denier. He said, well, who are these people? There we go. Come, come and stand next to me right there. The God deniers, these are the people who have no re- revelation about God. And, so they, and, and you, you meet them on a daily basis. Now, let me just say that these people are the minority in the world, by far a small minority that God denies. They are no, by no means the biggest proportion, but in the Western world, there's quite a few of them, and they're loud, and they're belligerent. And these are the God deniers, and these are the people that just deny God. They just don't believe in God. They've actually replaced God with evolution, Mother Nature, science, anything but God. So, so anything that we can control, anything that we can analyze, anything that we can put under the microscope, well, we believe in that. Folks, how can you put God under a microscope? How can you analyze someone who created the universe? He's, he lives outside of the universe in order for him to create it. Matter of fact, our God says, I can hold the whole universe in the palm of my hand. And what you're trying to analyze me, put me under a microscope, God denies. We say, well, what's the second type of person? Second type of person is, there we go, Jess, turn this around. What's the second type of person? This is the God ignorer. So they don't deny God, nor do they profess God. They're, they're a God ignorer. And these are the people that come to a place where they say, well, I'm not sure that God exists. Because I'm not sure then I won't follow him. But I, I won't be mean to him either. I'm just not sure. We, we call these people agnostics. And again, they're a small minority of people. But nevertheless, they exist and they ignore God. You know what I've got to say to the God ignorers? 
I'm going to say to you from Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, from, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So they are without excuse. That's what Romans 1.20 says. Romans 1.20 says that God has shown himself in his creation. How can you ignore his creation? How can you pick up a newborn baby and not see the fingerprint of God? Look at this beautiful, look at these little fingers, these little toes, this little nose. And just perfect. And not see the fingerprint of God. How can you pick up a flower and see the majesty and beauty of a flower? How can you look at a sunset? How can you look at a bird flying through the air? How can you? How can you? Because one day all those things will judge you. As saying, how in the world could you believe that any of that design was a chance happening? Where was your brain? Then you got the third type of person. Here we go. The third type of person. And the third type of person is the God believer. Don't cheat too loud. Now this makes up the majority of the people in the world. 80%, at least 80% of the world's population would be God believers. Can I just say to you that it's good that you pride yourself that you believe in God and but that's not quite enough. Why is that? Because all of the spirit world believes in God. All of heaven believes in God. All of hell believes in God. Matter of fact, James chapter 2 verse 9 says, you believe there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So if you're not at the trembling stage, you're not even at the demonic stage yet. And so I have so many people say, but I believe in God, I do good works. Surely I can get into heaven. Well, you're just one step away is all I can say. Because the fourth type of person, and this is the person that comes under the authority of Christ. Who can tell me what the fourth person is? The God lover. There's a big difference between being a God believer and a God lover. And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the God lover are the people that have had a revelation of who Jesus is. The God lovers are those that have heard him calling and responded. These are the people that, that when we come to Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens up to me, I will come in and dwell with him and sup with him. These are the people that have heard Jesus knocking on, the, on their heart's door saying, Come on, John. I don't want you just to believe in me. I want you to receive me. I want you to accept me. These are the people that have opened up their hearts to God and have fallen in love with him. See, a God lover, a God lover just loves Jesus, loves the things of God. They have responded to the call. You say, what's the evidence of being a God lover? You guys can sit down now except for the God lover. Come, come, come here, Drew. And Dan, you can come up as well. You say, well, what, what, what's a God lover do? What's, well, let, let me tell you. What's the difference is, 
See, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The difference between a God believer and a God lover is that a God lover says, whatever you want me to do, I will do. A God lover is just submitted to the authority of Christ. We can do he is Lord again. What a wonderful thing it is to come under the authority of Christ, the submission of Christ. Just surrendering to him. Just saying, Jesus, you loved me so much that you paid the penalty for all my sins. That's awesome. What you are willing to die on the cross for me so that my sins could be cleansed and removed from me. That is awesome. That's so beautiful. Lord, if you did that for me, what can I do for you? And Jesus says, what I want you to do is believe in me. Receive me. Follow me. And that's what a God lover does. He says, that's it, I'm following Jesus. Do you know that there are so many demands upon your life? Follow this and follow that and follow this philosophy and follow that philosophy and follow this belief and follow that trend and follow this and follow that. And there's pressure, pressure, pressure. But the God lover is saying, I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus because I've discovered that the plan of God eternally is that everything is going to come under the authority of Christ. And because I've got that revelation, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. What a wonderful thing it is to come under his authority now. You know what? When you come under the authority of Christ, you won't be a hypocrite. See, hypocrites are people that haven't got full revelation of what it means to come under the authority of Christ. They're trying to be good out of their own self-effort. When, when, when you truly receive Jesus, you don't have to try to be good. He makes you good. He declares you good. The Spirit of God lives within you and He transforms you into his child. It's all his working, working within you. Get rid of legalism. Get rid of that pressure of having to, having to, having to, having to. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And just say, I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Every day I wake up and I say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know what your commands are so I can put them together and do my best. And following you. And you just lose all the pressure of having to, having to, and you become what God's called you to be. You know, this morning, we're going to sing that beautiful song again, He is Lord. But that song is taken from a scripture in Philippians, chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. And it says this, God has highly exalted Jesus and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ 
is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when you've done that, you come under the authority of Christ and you fulfill the plan and purpose of God that he's got for this whole world, that everything, both in heaven and earth, comes under the authority of Christ. How many of you today have come under the authority of Christ? How many of you have come under the authority of Christ? 100% under the authority of Christ. 100%. You know, if you had difficulty lifting your hand just then, you just said, well, I don't know if I have. Well, this morning, before we leave this auditorium, I want to pray for you so that you can come under the authority of Christ. I want to pray for you because I guarantee you're hearing him knocking on your heart's door and saying, I know that you believe in me, but you've got to take the next step. Receive me, become a God lover. Follow me for every single day of your life. And today's your opportunity. Come on, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 